The Owner's Box is part of the In The Money Podcast Network. You can always log on to inthemoneypodcast.com where you can follow along. You can subscribe to the free newsletter. And not only do you have the Owner's Box, but also shows such as the Players Podcast, JK Plus One, the Matt Vernier Show, Redboard Rewind, Nick Luck Daily, Talk Racing to Me, In the Ring with Acacia Courtney, and Off Track with Maggie. So lots of great things to listen to. Just head over to inthemoneypodcast.com. Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Welcome to another edition of the Owner's Box, post-Derby Oaks edition. I'm Billy Koch, founder and managing partner of the Little Red Federation Club. Racing, that's hard to say when you say it really fast. Michelle, did you, did you know that? No, I, when I say it fast, I can say it perfectly, but it's because I talk fast. You do talk fast. We had breakfast while you were here, and you were talking fast. <laughs> Michelle, you excited. I talk fast. The great Michelle, you who picked basically Medina Spirit, I believe. Congratulations, Woo-hoo! Michelle. Great call. Thanks. That was exciting. I mean, you were only a hero. Be, only because he did what he was supposed to do. Right. Uh, right. I guess, if Johnny V had not sent that horse, there's no shot he would have won that race. Let's talk about three things of note really quick because we have a great call. Yeah, the first uh, thing is the yes. Kentucky Derby. Yeah, Rick, <laughs> Rick Huber is going to be joining us uh, very quickly. So uh, we're going to do this quick, three things of note, because truthfully, Michelle, I'm not sure everybody wants to hear us talk anyway. Okay, well, the first three things of note is obviously the Kentucky Derby. It went to Medina Spirit, and he got the ride that he had been needing the last couple of outs. Thankfully, he had no stable mates in there. And it was awesome. You know, it was pretty cool. Johnny V, kudos, wins the Oaks and the Derby. And Bob, the Derby. Bob Baffert mm-hmm. wins his seventh Kentucky Derby. Uh, social media goes crazy. All of a sudden, Baffert's a cheater. You know, can I do Soapbox Billy for 30 seconds? Sure. Okay. Uh, the guy gets the best horses in the world. They're the most expensive horses in the world. He trains them one. harder than anybody in the world. And he wins. And he puts them on the lead. Which is what he did with Authentic, which is what he did with Justify, which is what he did with, well, American Pharaoh came off, uh, which is what I could, but the list goes on and on. When Baffert runs in these big races, what does he do? Michelle, we talk about this every time he, he literally runs them off their feet. Correct. And no one else goes with him and he wins and everyone's shocked and all of a sudden he's doing something wrong. I, right. I just, it's like enough already. Let it go. The guy's a genius. Okay. He wins. Period. End of story. Move on. Sorry, Billy Soapbox. Okay. All right. All right. Congratulations so, uh, to owners. Th- Wait, Zidane Racing, who we tried to get, but he was on his way back to Jordan. Right. What wah, else? Wah. Maybe next time. Maybe okay. Next time. Uh, second thing of note would be the Preakness because we all we all have to just look ahead, right? Right. We can't just we can't just enjoy what we just had. We no, have to we we instantly move forward. There will be no essential quality. Uh, there will, but there will be uh, possibly Mandaloon. And it will be possibly Caddo River, possibly, possibly Caddo River in mine, possibly Midnight Bourbon yeah. for sure. Concert tour, Medina Spirit and Rombauer. Well, it's going to be interesting with concert tour, how fast he is. And Medina Spirit obviously just won the Derby in wire to wire fashion. Mike Smith mm-hmm. gets the call on concert tour. Read that today, Michelle, a little nugget for you. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah. How you like them apples? Um, it will be an interesting race. The talk will be who will go, but which one of Baffert's, how will they do it? And that's gonna, what we're going to hear for two weeks. Um, okay. Uh, third thing of note is the Kentucky Oaks went to Malathat, who everybody loved. 
and she ran, I thought, a really good race. Not much to write home about in that race. I mean, like, nothing exceptional happened, right? Like, we all, everyone wants to talk about the Joel Rosario and the iron situation. Oh, yeah. Um, I, don't I felt like the Kentucky that. Oaks was just a good race. I thought it was an excellent race with um, some really, really good fillies. Uh, Shadwell Stable, c- uh, congratulations, Todd Pletcher, the trainer. Uh, I believe... Um, I thought we saw some really good fillies. I even thought uh, the uh, the filly for uh, Chad Brown, who ran second, uh, who was undefeated also going in. Search results. Search results. Ran an amazing race as well. I thought it was a nice show of, of uh, sportsmanship that Alex Evers has posted all over the internet uh, with them shaking hands that I'm also tired of. With all due respect to Alex, <laughs> I love very that. Good that was so cute. Yeah, with I Johnny needed it once. I didn't. I don't know if I, I needed it 47,000 times, but I, once was. I was like, oh, that's really nice. I'm kind of crabby today, I just realized. I see that. I Did you not going. eat your Wheaties? Did no, they not you know serve you well at Stella's you, Cafe? It was pouring this morning, um, and I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> and then it turned into like the most beautiful day in the world here in Kentucky. It was absolutely lightning, thunder, pouring, and uh, that was interesting. So, um, Okay, third was the Kentucky Oaks. Michelle, how was your weekend gambling overall? Yep, great. I hit the pick three. I hit for like 600 or wait, that pay. Hold on. Back it up. I Back hit up. the pick three for um, $256. I hit the golden hour pick four for $670. I hit the late pick four Saturday and Sunday. I hit wow. the Oaks Derby double, which paid garbage. And I had Medina Spirit to win. You you really, you really died. I did. I had a really I, you know, good weekend handicapping. I'm, hold on. I had one of the worst handicapping weekends, I think, in my history. I only liked – I really liked two horses. One, I don't – I'm embarrassed to say who I liked. The other one was domestic spending, uh, Chad Brown in the uh, the big turf race. Yep, I had Forrester. that both ways, by the way. Oh, my God. I needed him to get up. Just – I cannot believe there was a dead heat. I, 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 I literally I, – I don't know what – I was – I almost wanted to lose. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'd rather lose, I think, than just get the dead heat because it cut everything in half. But uh, anyway, it was an incredible weekend. Kudos to the people at Churchill Downs. Special thanks to uh, Mike Ziegler and his staff and Gary Palmasaro, um, who did a great job. Uh, it was a lot of fun. People were having a great time. I have no idea what the uh, COVID, uh, COVID numbers are, but uh, so far we're coming up okay, it looks like. And we're going to be right back with Rick Kieber after this. I'm here with Travis White from TaylorMade Stallions. And Travis, what an exciting time for TaylorMade sales. Oh, things are going really good right now, Billy. Uh, Midnight Storm wrapped up a great sale down at OBS. Uh, not this time, just continues to uh, produce runners uh, week after week. Uh, and in the sales, he still continues to do very well. And M. Shawwash is represented by his first starter in the Kentucky Derby this year. Travis, we still have time to get your mares booked. Who do they call? You can call me anytime. My cell phone number is 859-396-3508, or feel free to email me at tywhite at taylormadestallions.com. Exciting times ahead for all the TaylorMade stallions. Back on the owner's box with a very special guest today, and I just butchered his name, just so everybody knows. Uh, it's Rick Kieber. Rick Kieber is joining us today on the owner's box. Rick, thanks for uh, coming on. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, first question, first of all, congratulations, partner, uh, for those of all who weren't listening before, just fast forward the opening of our show. Uh, Rick is one of the partners. Uh, he might even be the majority partner in a, uh, Philly named vault who won the grade two ruffian over the weekend. That was a pretty good race huh, Rick. Oh, that was a great race. You know, finally to, to see her get up 
for that win was uh, pretty incredible. But before we get into that, and we will talk about Vault, we'll talk about some of your other horses. Tell us a little bit about how you got into horse ownership, where you first started. Have you been going to the track forever? Or is this kind of a new thing? How you um, unluckily I, got I, hooked I, up with Billy. I'm just kidding. No, Billy, Billy had nothing to do <laughs> yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. All my luck changed when I met Billy. There you go. Um, no, I actually um, I went to the track for the first time when I was eight years old. I went to Del Mar with my father and my uncle. And, and made some wagers and was basically hooked from there. My, my dad never, I actually grew up in Kentucky, but was born in Southern California. Um, so often went back and every time we went back, we went to Del Mar. But when we were here in Kentucky, we lived down in uh, Meade County near Brandenburg, about 45 minutes south of Louisville. Uh, we'd go, my dad would take me to Churchill Downs, you know, probably eight or 10 times a year and wager. And, you know, so I've been, I've been betting the ponies for probably as long as I can count. <laughs> was your dad so, ever it, into owning or anything or was it just, no, he never, he never was. Like a... He never, he never made that leap of, of faith. Um, actually my first horse I owned was in 2011 with Rick Pacino. Uh, it was a Bellamy rolled coat out of, wait, it was a, a horse named Gorgie out of Bellamy road. And I think we ran twice and then, you know, got injured and that was the end of that. That was a good first experience. Yeah, it was great. Burned, <laughs> burned a little bit of money quick. And I, well, I, well, what was it? But you got that out of the way, yeah, right? You got the bad you, when, you, when you jumped into ownership, though, were you prepared for that? Because we try and prepare our people <laughs> a lot of times that it's not easy to, to step into the winner's circle right away. Yeah, no, I think, you know, I think we all think that when every Colt is going to win the Derby, right? I mean, that's, that's what you hope, um, you know, but, you know, we know that. I mean, I'm, I, I'm a numbers guy, so I understand what, what that means. And, you know, it's, it's a tough road to, to win races, win any race, much less a, a triple crown race. When you say you're a numbers guy, t t uh, talk a little bit about that. What do you, we, we, what is your background? How did you, and how did you bring that number, maybe possibly analytics, into the world of horse racing ownership? Yeah, so I own a bunch of businesses. I mean, I, I was fortunate. My dad was a farmer and an entrepreneur, and you know, I grew up on a farm. You know, learned the value of hard work at a, a very young age. And my dad also had some businesses, one of which was a video store, which I grew up in. You know, every every snow day, most kids were going out to play. I was going to work with dad, work in the counter. That's awesome. And Not a, It wasn't Blockbuster. So, wasn't like a, but it was like no, that, no, those it days. Was a local chain. That video Blockbuster ball, was awesome. He did really well against Blockbuster. So nice. But uh, but also, maybe my dad actually had the first uh, video superstore in Kentucky. He opened it in 1979 in Radcliffe. Wow. And. Um, but it was a good business, and when I, I went to school at Marquette, got done there, came back, and and uh, started open video stores of my own, and then started a chain called Suntan City, uh, indoor tanning chain. We've got about 300 locations in 26 states. Where we're Michelle, our franchise, our hey, this is, Michelle, this yeah, is right so up your alley, Suntan City. Uh, what are you talking about? I don't tan. You don't tan. <laughs> never i lit i think maybe once in my whole life have i ever tanned you are more likely to tan than i am <laughs> i don't know about that okay wait. really I, I can log in and check the database and, and yeah sure we'll see correct, if there's issues sometimes one thousand percent yeah all right we'll check the database so okay so this is great so you, yeah so so keep you know, going I got into business and went on and you know we've, we've had a great run we're still 22 years into suntan city and 
and this has been a great run. And we, you know, every decision we make in business is analytical. I've got a whole team of data scientists, and we crunch numbers, and you know, we we make educated decisions. We don't guess. You know, that's it's it's really interesting you say that. And I know one of our other partners in Vault, and I think you might be partners with him, is Saul Cuman. Um, with yep. Madiket and Saul was on our show and I've talked to Saul at length about the the analytics of horse racing and it's just a little different because these are living breathing animals do you agree with that or what have you brought oh, from yeah. these other businesses yeah, these are, I mean I would even take it one step further and say these are just giant lottery tickets yeah um, you know it, it, it's really tough and I mean you can buy you, you see it every year you see the the million or two million dollar yearling that never runs or runs once and never wins. And that happens time and time again. In fact, you know, my, I bought my first six yearlings two years ago and coach, which ran in the Oaks is one of those. And she was my cheapest purchase. She was a $65,000 yearling. My most expensive purchase was a run happy Colt who still hasn't hit the track. It's amazing. It, it, it there's Wait, more I, stories I like a, that. Go I ahead. Yeah, go side, ahead, Michelle. A side. What happened with you and Jonathan Kinchin then, or was it your son and Jonathan Kinchin? Well, that was my son. So my son, my son Luke is is eighteen. He his one of his handicapping mentors is Kevin McFarland. Okay. Okay. And I'm, I'm sure you guys understand, you know, the beef between McFarland and, and Kitchen yes. over the the BCBC a couple of years ago, and you know, it sounds like some sour grapes on on Kitchen's part, but that's fine. It is what it is. But if he wants to call out a kid on the air, that's that's on him. It was he called out Rick's kid. <laughs> No, no, no. What happened was we were doing the handicapping panel, and he said, well, the only, the only horse I can't, like, root for is Coach oh, because the, oh, the guy that owns it, his son, was mean to me on social media. Aye. And I was like, really? Yeah. And so we, we all made fun of him, but he didn't say, like, what it was about. He just said he was mean to him, and uh, so we, like, teased him relentlessly that, is that a, like, small that is child silly. was mean to him on social media. A small child. I love it. <laughs> so, is your, are you, it I didn't know that you had owned Coach, so Rick, I is had your to family, ask. Yeah. is your family involved? Obviously, the 18-year-old, he's very no, involved. No, my, 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 my son is very involved. Um, my, my son, I, I used to, you know, he just turned 18 in January. I used to say he was the, the best illegal handicapper in the world. I mean, he, <laughs> he probably wagers five days a week and has been for three or four years. That, and um, It's so cool when your no, whole family's he, involved. He, he's, he's very involved. He actually works for Brad Cox as well. He's been working for Brad for about 18 months. Really? And I, you know, I think, yeah, I think he'll go up this summer uh, to Saratoga with with Brad's string up oh, there. Wow. You know, they've got a lot of horse, a lot of horses here at Churchill. They got to be relocated for a few months. Absolutely. Wait, I I have to ask now. How did you go from being a uh, son just hanging out at the track to not only being an ownership, but you are big into ownership? I mean, you you know, you said you talked about the first horse that you ever had, but how did you make that leap from this first? horse that ran twice to now you're in with Saul Keenan well, and uh you know into was, Brad Coxburn. It was, yeah it was so there's a couple of things you know uh, some friends here in Louisville uh, are in Starlight Racing and they introduced me to Jack Wolf at Starlight and I got involved with Starlight probably four or five years ago and you know that that is you know an investment and a great gateway to the horse racing industry and you know if listeners are out there and they haven't done it I mean there's I mean, shoot, you can get involved in horse racing now for $50. Sure. You don't have to write a check right. for 100000 and and you can learn enough about it. And, you know, I, I really learned a lot over the last couple of years being an uh, investor in Starlight. And, you know, we had a lot of fun. We won a couple of derbies, won a triple crown. And, 
you know, to share those experiences with, you know, your kids and wife is just, I mean, it's, it, there's no price you can put on that. When you when you were with Starlight, and by the way, we're both we we're Jack Wolf fans. Um, Jack is the best. He's been on our show. I saw him at the Derby. He was looking like he said he had no horses running. He looked the most relaxed I've ever seen him. He did have a drink. He did have a drink in his hand. I don't know if that shocks you. No, no, not wait. Yet. I have a funny yes. Jack Wolf story actually. When I first started working in horse racing, and I was a runner for TVG, one of my jobs was to go find people to bring them up to the fifth floor. We had a set for Kentucky Derby for interviews. So I was looking around, I see this guy and I'm like, oh, I could you come up uh, and do an interview? He's like, yeah, great. So we're walking, I get on the phone. I'm like, yeah, I have James Cassidy with me. I'm walking, I'm walking. And I hear tap, tap, tap. And I look around, I'm like, yes, he goes, I'm Jack Wolf. I'm like, ah, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, well, you still came for an interview. So who are you and what do you, uh, what's Wolf. the reason that you're coming? <laughs> well, so it's... lucky enough, he still had horses in and everything, but that was my introduction that's your, that's to Jack, Jack Wolf. Wolf story. Uh, Rick, you, know, Rick... you talk about a great first purchase. I mean, Jack, I think Jack's first purchase or Jack and Lori's first purchase was Harlan's Holiday. How about yeah, that? Wow. That's a big way to get into the game rick keeber joining us here in the owner's box rick the difference from being in a group like starlight to then all of a sudden going out on your own and buying six yearlings two years ago oh it's night and day i mean that i enjoy it you know remarkably more um you know you you, you get to know the trainer and um you know you talk to your blood sock agent you know i, I was blessed that i had a, a friend and a neighbor that his wife was um, in the business and, and worked on the backside and asked her, you know, I said, Hey, who do you recommend as a trainer? She said, Oh, Brad Cox, no doubt. And she introduced me. And I mean, I went out there and met with Brad a couple of days later and he's like, well, you know, okay, you want to buy some horses? Here's Liz Crow's number. And, you know, so I, I was really blessed to, to put that, you know, dream team together of, you know, I don't think there's two better people to, to kick off a, investment in horse racing than, than Brad and Liz. Yeah, no, And this was before Brad Cox was the Brad Cox that we know. Well, this is a couple years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's I think he's talking, you know, Rick, taking by, by a the way, stand on Yeah, our... Brad probably owes a lot of his success to Rick the same way, you know, I'm his lucky charm now. <laughs> I mean, that's... Exactly. exactly. You, wait, Make, Billy, did you bet the race? Are you still not betting your horses? No, I'm not betting my horse. Okay, Wait, well, I want to know whose child that is. Is that you? Mine. It's I was going to say, it can't be Rick's. He's got an 18-year-old. <laughs> yes, uh, not mine. All right, Rick, so you go – You. what was your um, sales experience like? Let's go back to that two years ago because here on the owner's box, we like to give people kind of an insight. So now you're, you, you hire Liz Crow. She's going to go out and buy you X amount of horses. You set a budget. Were there particular horses you were looking for? How involved were you in that process? No, I, I wasn't involved at all. I mean, I had – I mean, she knows infinitely more about than I do. I still know nothing about it. I've still not been to a sale. And – I just gave her a budget, said, hey, here's what I want to spend. You know, I'm going to, we're going to spend, you know, somewhere around a million dollars. And we're going to buy some horses, you know, four to six horses. And, you know, I told her, just do what you do. I, I don't, I don't, I do, I do, you know, Brad the same way. I don't, I try not to interfere. I mean, Brad, I don't know anything about training horses. <laughs> I bug um, Brad all the time. So That's I why just, I laughed. You know, I'm powering them to to make decisions and, and buy. And, you know, we turned out pretty well, you know, first year, you know, I ended up with, uh, as two year olds, two stakes winners. I had Emro, uh, point of entry right. Philly that won untappable down at Kentucky downs. And, you know, unfortunately she got injured after that, um, two weeks before breeders cup. 
Uh, and, you know, I, I, I really, you know, we believe that she had a great shot to, to beat Aunt Pearl. Wow. Um, and, and on the turf there. And, you know, so she got hurt, and, and she is just now back. I think she's going to have her first work next week at Keeneland. And we expect we still expect big things from her. She's, I mean, by far our best uh, purchase that year. And and then um, you know, coach. I mean, to to make it to the Oaks, your first year is just it's unbelievable. You know, yeah, just hope to get back and have a better showing. She was, you know, we raced her quite a bit. I think that was her seventh or eighth race. And you know, since her two year old campaign started, and you know, so you know, we didn't. We we knew we were in deep, and it would take you know, the perfect trip and a total meltdown for us to, to even hit the board. But, you know, to be there was a great experience. And I, I was joking when I was there, I said, you know, people, you know, I paid $65,000 for coach. I mean, I think people would pay 65,000 or maybe even a lot more to have that experience as an owner in the Oaks. Yeah. Why didn't you call me? Oh, that's true. Yeah, especially that's if you're true. from Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, Michelle's going to ask her favorite question about you bought six yearlings. How did you name them all? Right, Michelle? Is that where we're going? 100 percent. i knew you were thinking that i want to know if this was a family thing if who's emro how do we get co like what is it so coach so first of all naming horses i'm not a creative i'm the least creative person in the entire world so <laughs> this naming horses is my nightmare first of all so uh, I said, you have us now. Don't worry. Yeah. You got Michelle. <laughs> All right. So, so you guys can help me. Um, so I sit down with my son and said, okay, we kind of mapped it out and said, okay, some of them some natural, you know, like the run happy horse. We just named run Pat. That was easy. She was out of Miss Mary Pat, okay. uh, Philly and, or mayor. And so we, you know, the, the, some of them are easy, but you know, you go through the name, you, you think of it, you're like, Oh, this would be a great name. And then you look and say, no, it's taken. Taken. Um, but you know, yeah. But coach, coach was, you know, we we looked at a bunch of names, and it was a commissioner or a commissioner Philly, and we just couldn't find anything we liked. So we ended up going through the book of recently released names. Oh, that's my secret. And, and yeah, you yeah. just gave out and my found, secret you know, on the air. The, I went through the A's. I went through the B's. I got to the C's. I'm like, coach, it's one word. It's fewer letters is better. And, you know, I could tell every coach that I know I named it after them. Great so. call. I oh, thought it was going to be like it was named after Patino and everything. That's for sure where I thought this was going. All right. Well, Mr. Yeah, Uncreative, yeah. we're going to now Michelle's next question is your silk design, because I get I see those a lot now that we're partners. Uh, the red, the white is this a family color. How did this come to be? No, you know, obviously, you know, huge Louisville supporters and fans for a long time and you know, red, red and white or, and or black is, is, uh, Louisville colors. So we, we went with that. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm the least creative person. So I actually gave, gave a few ideas to my graphic designer and, and he came up with the, the logo for that. Now, uh, can you, can you instruct us as Spencer yells in the background? I, uh, I know it's cause I, it's cause I unmute so I can ask something and then he yells and then I can't talk. Okay. Well, I'm going to talk because I need the, the Louisville, Louisville, um analysis louisville. from rick because someone told me while i was in louisville that they were like oh no you can say louisville that's okay is that not true that's not true well i mean yeah. it helps us identify you as an outsider i mean that's <laughs> the only <laughs> of course it does of uh, course it does i mean the only other thing you could do is ask me where to buy a good bourbon and i'll tell you that there's none to be had here because you know a billion other people have come here to buy bourbon and they buy all our bourbon i have to leave town to buy bourbon 
Do you come to Lexington to buy bourbon? Because I'm in Lexington now, Rick. No, you got to leave Kentucky. Lexington gets inundated with tourists as well okay. for the bourbon industry. So you've got to get out. You've got to buy it out, out of market to, to find Not it. Not only a Rick. horse lesson, but a bourbon lesson here uh, on Rick, horse, uh, Owner's Box. Go ahead, Michelle. I want to know what kind of an owner you are um, just from like a personality standpoint, because obviously you started off in a partnership. And now as a solo owner, you still allow partnerships like Little Red Feather to be partners with you. So do you like to steer the ship? Are you okay just listening to the trainer? What, what, what's your uh, no, style? I'm, I will often have an opinion, but I will always defer to the trainer. You know, I'm not going to act like I I mean, I think one of Brad Cox's biggest strengths is spotting a horse. He can, like, I mean, he, he called me Monday morning. I said, what are we doing with Vault? He knew exactly where the horse was going. And I don't need to do that. I mean, I did, you know, we did, you know, have a conversation about whether we run in the Oaks or the Black Eyed Susan. And he told me what the advantages were, but he knew that as a Louisvillian, it was important for me to run in the Oaks. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Wait, what did he tell you about Vault's next race? Because he wouldn't tell me today. <laughs> I can't, I, he might get mad at me if I tell you. No, I don't think no, so. I'll be at Churchill and our, and in like, probably six or eight weeks. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Yeah, we're good, good, good. Well, let you know. Let's talk about Vault because this was this is a like a Liz Crow production and a Bradley Weisbord uh, BSW production. I don't know if you Rick, I don't know if you know this, but we owned Mirth. We bought her privately, who is Vault's older sister, who won the Grade One Rodeo Drive, then eventually sold with BSW Bloodstock for I believe it was one point one million. And during that time in that interim, Vault came up kind of for sale, and they were putting together the partnership. We said we want in. Um, it would ha- those kind of things. You're still you still are approached by Liz, or, or uh, I guess primarily Liz yeah, for no, these type of partnerships. She'll call me and from time to time with some opportunities to to you know buy a leg and and invest. And you know we sometimes we we do it, sometimes we don't. No, and, and, but no, it's you have a great relationship with with Liz. A fantastic relationship with Brad. Brad and I are a lot alike in many ways. I mean, I'm, you know, grew up a, a big country, and and you know, he grew up going to the track, and even though he grew up in the city, but you know, we we get along phenomenally well. It's it's interesting with a horse like Vault because we we buy her, we we paid good money for her. She had kind of what do we call twenty twenty for her? It was just almost like a disaster. She ran at four different racetracks, yeah. four different jockeys in like three and a half months. Never had a break, and then just and just it just didn't work out. And what do you do at that point no, as an owner? No, she just, yeah, I was thinking, why, why did I buy this horse? But um, <laughs> no, it, <laughs> you know, sometimes you have to trust the process. I, I think Brad was trying to figure out where she wanted to run, and you know where where she fit in, and what her running style was. And you know, I think we we finally have it figured out that you know she's got one run, and she's coming from off the pace, and that's all she's got. Yeah, and it, it, it really paid dividends in that in the grade two over the weekend, which obviously is so important for residual value. I mean, obviously you're buying these fillies now, you're you're buying your own horses. We try to preach a lot of times when people ask me, and I don't know if they ask you, but they say, you know, should I buy a Philly or a Colt? And most of the time I say, Listen, you have a much better chance for some kind of residual value hit with a Philly at the end of her career than you do making a stallion. Would you agree with that? Oh, well, 100%. But, you know, I, you know, going back to one of my initial comments, I mean, I think people, they buy horses because they, they want to win derbies. I have a lot of friends who only buy Colts because they only dream of winning derbies. And, and I think that's, 
you know, I mean, obviously, sire, we know what sire values are, you know, people dream of that. But it's, you know, if you want to have a, a sustainable business, I mean, for instance, when I bought six horses, I bought, I intentionally bought three fillies and three colts. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, to, you know, I wanted yeah. to, you know, wanted an out on, you know, I mean, I, I, I think there's a way, I mean, I, I keep looking at this as a business, as a businessman, I'm looking at this and saying, hey, I, I don't want to just lose money every year. I mean, a lot of guys will, or people will put, you know, 5 million or 10 million in or 3 million, whatever, whatever their number is, you know, it could be $50,000 and they just, they're, they're fine losing it. I'm trying to figure it out in my mind from a business perspective, how, how do I make this sustainable business, especially something I enjoy doing with my son who, who loves it, who dreams of being a trainer one day. Wow, so, that, you know, wow, I'm, I'm cool. trying to figure that part of it. I will figure it out. It may, it will take me some time, but I, I think, you know, we're, we're headed down the right path. We we have the the, the right people in place to to make sure we're we're buying the right horses. We're, we've got the right trainer. I don't think there's a you know there's obviously nobody better in the business right now than Brad or nobody hotter at least. You know it's interesting you said that, and I, I and you said you're on your way there. I'd love to know what kind of theories you have to to do this the right way, to do this as a business, because Michelle and I will both tell you that so many people come into this game, they think they can bring their business acumen from whatever business they are associated with into horse racing, and it doesn't work, and they get frustrated. So, what are you yeah. doing differently, or what kind of theories do you have? Well, I mean, I only have two yearling crop. You know, I bought some more yearlings last year, and. You know, I think, I mean, I mean, the number one thing, I mean, going back to the, the Philly Colt mix, I, I think you have to buy Phillies that, that you know, can win stakes uh, or, or possibly win stakes. I mean, I think that is the, the number one goal. If you want to have a sustainable business model where you've got some residual value, you have to do that. If you buy six Colts, I mean, you're just, they are truly just lottery tickets at that point. Um, you know, I, I think that's first and foremost, but you, you have to have, the, the right team to in place to, to, to do it. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you call a Brad Cox today and if somebody knew called a Brad Cox and, you know, proposed the same venture, Brad probably, I mean, he may say no, right. Cause he's got so many horses. Um, and same with Liz. So, you know, I, I feel like I got in, you know, not super early with both of them, but I got in, you know, before um, they both got really busy and, you know, I, I think that's a good part of it. But, you know, I think you have to you, you have to make some strategic investments uh, along the way, you know, in horses like Vault where, you know, horses are running, you know, they, they've got some decent pedigree and they're running some nice numbers. And, and hopefully you can, you know, pay some bills with those horses. You know, probably my biggest mistake last year is um, my son loves claiming horses. And he, he really, you know, we've claimed a few and haven't really made much money. But, you know, about about 15 minutes before a race, he says, Dad, oh, I meant to tell you, we need to claim CZ Rocket for 50 here. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, no. Wow. I said, look. I forgot I said, to tell why you, though. are you telling me right now? <laughs> I said, I, I mean, I would have I claimed it. I, I, oh, like, wow. He tells me claim a horse, I claim a horse. Yeah. And, and that was probably our biggest. I'm like, look, you got to tell me 24. You can't tell me on Saturday, first of all, because, you know, if there's not money there, I've got to transfer some money. But. Um, and I got to give Brad the heads up, but you know, we, we should, I mean, it went unclaimed it with 50 and 62. Unbelievable. Oh, hey, I got a follow-up question about, about Brad Cox and, and you yeah. weren't listening earlier in the show, but I went on my soapbox about Baffert that how amazing he is. He buys the most expensive horses, the best horses, he trains them the hardest and they win. Um, but Brad Cox is coming under a lot of scrutiny. I personally, I, Brad has been nothing but good to me. 
Uh, I think he's a great guy. I think he's fiery. I think he works extremely hard. When you read all the stuff about this and that, that there's no way he could have the, so many winners and he's cheating and all that kind of stuff, what, what, what do you say to people to tell them, hey, man, I know this guy? Yeah, you know, I, I think the big trainers with the big barns and with the big earnings have almost an unfair advantage over the small guys. And, and what, what I mean by that is they have the best trainers, they have the massage therapists, they, you know, they, they, they have everything. They have a barn, you know, you go to Brad's barn, I was at Brad's barn, Brad's barn almost every day last week. And, you know, you know, Thursday, I think I counted like 40 employees at the barn. You go to some of these small barns, there might be one employee. Sure. And in, in the, the employee to horse ratio, I think is key, but it's really just the resources they have. Like I know somebody that, that. That, that works on horses and you know, they can't work on horses at the smaller barns cause they, there's no help. Sure. Sometimes they need someone to hold a horse and there's just not any help there to hold a horse. And you know, I, I think that's important. I, I think it's just truly a resource thing. It's just like, you know, if I open a planet fitness, the, the, you know, Bob's gym down the street doesn't stand a chance because mm-hmm. you yeah. know i've got this huge national marketing budget behind it and they just don't have stand. i think it's the same concept with the big trainers whether it's baffert cox pletcher any of them and, and i mean I, I i talk to brad a lot and and i can tell you he's getting better horses every year his sure. horses are getting better and better and he will be back in the derby he should have won this year i had essential quality gotten a better trip I, i'm sure you guys saw the the analysis on the number of feet ran I oh mean, yes we saw track us. eight lengths better than eight eight lengths better than than Hot Rod Charlie, um, you know, it's just we got a bad trip, and you know maybe the post was a factor as well. But you know, hell, Mandaloon should have won too. I mean, Mandaloon, you know, couldn't. I talked to Flo Monday, and it just just was tired and couldn't get by. It's unbelievable, uh, Michelle. You uh, wanted to Rick, do a follow up yes. question. I did. I had a couple. I, um, do you breed also, or are you strictly? Uh, no, no, guy? I haven't done. I, I might do. I might do that. Um, you know, depending on where lives thinks the values are of these fillies you know coach and emro namely mm-hmm. um you know it depends on where emro you know if she can win a couple great stakes races maybe we sent her to auction but coach coach we might keep and, and breed um I, i'm not opposed to it i mean you know these you know one of the great things about you know racehorses is you know they're fully depreciable assets Right on on the balance sheet. So if I sell them, then I have to reclaim depreciation and pay ordinary income tax. So you know, if you sell a horse for two hundred thousand, you're really only getting a hundred at the end of the day mm-hmm. after taxes. So you know, I would just you know assume keep them at that point. That okay. And, and go ahead, Michelle. Them, so. I also wanted to know uh, what's your what's your goal race to win? If you could, if I tell you this year, I guarantee you're going to win one race with my magic genie powder. What race is that? Um, wow. That, that's a tough one. You know, I, I would, I would love to just win a, I, I've yet to win a greatest stakes race of a horse I own a hundred percent of. So that would be my number one goal is to, to win a greatest stakes race. Sorry, uh, Billy. I think with... for the next race you're out. <laughs> what does that, what does that even mean? <laughs> he wants to win it by himself. He doesn't want to win it with a partner. I, I, I it just makes me sad. We just won the grade two. We're good. It's okay. You no, know? no, but, but I want to own one. I want to own one on my own. That, yes. that is my that is that is my number one goal this year and you know i think emro can mm-hmm. do that and you know we'll, we'll see which way i mean i don't know where she's going to run yet and you know my guess is she'll head to the east coast and to belmont or saratoga 
but we'll we'll see where we run her and may, uh, who knows maybe we'll run her on dirt too and and try her there she's a big strong filly so i, I think she might have uh, a future on the dirt By but the way, i mean that, that's a, my that's your no, number one right. goal. Go win a win a graded stake by himself that that's good i like that um but not, as the wife of a small trader i'm definitely not complaining about this but how come brad cox doesn't come out to california ever I just it's a, it's a long trip from here, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I, I think there was some consideration of of taking a string there this year, but I think it's just you know resources and 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 having you know everyone together. I mean, I think he can you know redirect to Belmont and Saratoga, and, right? And have full barns there. All right, Rick. Here comes the tough question. You've been in this game for a long time. You've been handicapping since you were eight years old. You joined in uh, back in 2011. You started your own thing three, two, three years ago. A lot of people listen to the show for advice. You, you've now been in this game. What is the one thing that you've learned over your time into the game as an owner that you would want to share with someone that you think is the most important thing to know? Wow, that, that's that's a tough question. Um, you know, I, I think in horse racing, the one thing I've learned that's, I think, important there, there's no thing, there's nothing certain in this business. I mean, if, if your horse is three to five, that doesn't mean you're going to win. It doesn't mean you're going to move on. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough business. I think you have to be patient and, and just, you know, let the professionals do what they do. I mean, it's not, you just can't, we're not, I'm not a horse trainer. Uh, other people aren't horse trainers. Let, let the trainers do their, uh, business and do what they're great at and, and give them some space. You know, it's, it's a tough business. I mean, it really is. You, you've been there and you know, it, you know, there's, there's not, there's nothing easy and it takes a lot of patience and these horses. Why? I mean, there's nothing more exciting than winning a race as, as we saw Sunday. I mean, I'm jumping up screaming at the TV and (laughs) dogs are barking and wife's wondering what's going on. And, but, but there's nothing, there's no stronger, you know, heartbreak than, uh, a horse, you know, not winning or even worse, getting injured. I mean, I, I so I could tell you exactly where I was when when I got the call from Brad that Emro was hurt and wasn't going to be in the Breeders' Cup. I mean, it was it was pretty painful, and you know, it you know, just got to be patient. And, and even if there is an injury, I mean, they will come back more than likely, and and you just got to give them time. I think you hit it right on the head. Michelle and I talk about it all the time. This is a very, very difficult sport, and uh, and it's it's not one for the faint-hearted. And you need to, if you're going to be in it, you got to wear big boy pants. I think we, I think uh, yeah. someone said that to me once, and uh, it stuck. With I love me. the way it was phrased, though. Um, you know, there's no guarantee. Even if you're three to five, it doesn't guarantee a win. I think that that is really poignant that a lot of people don't think about. Yep. We've done this show for a long time. I don't think we've ever gotten that answer. No, that's a good answer. Thank you, Rick. Rick Kieber. Uh, joining us here on the owner box. Thank you, Rick. Continued success. Uh, stay in the game. You're a great owner, obviously, and uh, we really appreciate you spending the time with us today. All right. Thanks for having me. And go vault. Go vault. We'll be back soon. All go right. Go cards. Go cards. That's Rick Kieber who was uh, joining us on the owner's box. That was interesting, Michelle. You know, uh, very yeah. analytical. It's kind of crazy that you have a partner that you haven't met, right? Well, you got to remember, first of all, pandemic. Second of all, she raced on the East Coast. And so we've never really ah. gotten together. There's, there was no race. Like she didn't run at the, you know, at the Derby weekend. You know, she was racing at Oakland during the pandemic. Um, it just it just never kind of happened. But uh, I spoke to him this week and he sounded like a great guy. And I said, you got to come on the show. And he was like, let's go. So, uh, Rick, we really appreciate it. And Michelle, I appreciate you.
for I appreciate you, Billy. I don't know. I th- do you think and I think I show for service. I think I think I appreciate you more than you appreciate me. I mean, that's just my, yeah, I just do. I just think I appreciate You're you. You're crazy. Um, it was great to see you here in Kentucky. Uh, and uh, we really appreciate all the fans who listen to this show. Uh, you can tweet us at own a horse at BKLRF at the Michelle U. Make sure you follow the in the money podcast media. Uh, go subscribe now. Subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe to their podcast. Uh, there's such great content on here right now mm-hmm. uh, that it it just you need to be in your car and listening or just sitting at your desk listening to it. Or you can hear Spencer. Just ask for well, his mom know. over and over again. <laughs> hey, you, you know what? He's, it's, hard, it's hard when you're a little child and you're stuck with your mom who isn't paying attention to you. <laughs> it's very tough. Michelle, what's coming up? Uh, anything fun coming up this weekend? Oh my gosh! I don't even know. I feel I forgot where. Well, we have, have Derby Hangover. Back. Is Derby Hangover? So we're gonna we'll we'll be back next week. We'll do a Preakness preview. Say that ten times really fast. Preakness preview. Preakness I think my preview. Friend, preakness I think, preview. You know, Sean Borman, who was on uh, with uh, Pete today, he's a very good handicapper. He's become a good friend of mine. Maybe we'll bring him on, kind of like we would did with Jake. Does he own a, a horse? Oh no, no, no! Just like a. I a thought short we were gonna segment. try and get. Uh, okay, I, no. was, I thought we were gonna try and get a major. Uh, California guy. On well, we are. Week. We're doing that, but then we'll have a little Preakness segment. Like we could do like okay. a five-minute Preakness segment something next week. All right. All right. I like it. All right. All right, Michelle. Get your preak on. Get your preak on. on. Talk to everybody later. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Rick. Bye.